Folks, I have never been great at sitting down and doing a bunch of research to find the right tag in the right state for the right species. That's why I rely on Eastman's Tag Hub. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet, but Eastman's Tag Hub takes a trusted hunting research you rely on and have for years to a powerful new digital platform. You could jump in there and find the right hunting units in 11 different states and try to find the perfect tag to fit your budget and your goals. It's a great way to cut out all that external research that just gives you a headache and if you're anything like me, you just don't have the patience for it. Let them do the work for you. And the cool part about Eastman's Tag Hub is it's a monthly payment option. You don't have to pay some big fee to get into it. It starts at like seven bucks a month and it gives you access to everything to include access to the world famous Eastman's Hunting Journal magazines. It's a great deal, guys. Check it out at taghub.eastmans.com. All right, guys, we're back at it with Zach Sandow from uh, Onyx Hunt Maps. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here... We provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your po- host. I almost said that wrong. <laughs> Coming at you from the Broken Town Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. Uh, this week, guys, I've got somebody on that um, I actually, I'm thinking about, I should have had on a long time ago uh, because I've been a big fan of this company and this uh, organization for a long time, not only for the products, but uh, for what they do kind of behind the scenes and stuff. So from Onyx Hunt Maps, uh, Zach Sandow. How you doing, man? Doing well. Appreciate it. And definitely, if we can't, you know, I'm glad we were able to get on here, but also, you know, we're two hours away, so we should meet up for a turkey hunt or something this spring. Dude, I was going to tell you, you were, you were like, uh, where you're going to fish. I, I I wasn't going to say it on the air here, but um, we don't want to give that spot away. And you're, if you if you need a spot to camp, I'm just up the road. I got, uh, I was gonna say, yeah. got the acreage. I got everything. I got uh, all sorts of stuff. I even have a, you can stay in this here trailer that I'm recording in. Yeah, no, it'd be perfect. I mean, as the crow flies, we're really not that far away. Yeah, seriously, seriously. So I appreciate you hanging with me through these uh, technical difficulties. I think I, as as the, the as the intro music was playing there, I was like, I know what happened. My when we lost power because of this storm that you guys are getting to, um, <laughs> it shuts down everything on my computer and it makes it so I have to reset where it's getting the audio from. So sorry about that. No worries at all. The technology knows that the bad weather came, and so it just decided to take a night off as well. Yeah, I'm telling you. And like you'd think after uh, hundred some odd episodes I've done, I'd have this thing figured out, but it still kicks my ass all the time. So I, I just appreciate you bearing with me. So you guys are getting snow too, huh? 
We are. Yeah, we got, so it came in on Saturday a little bit, but then today we have a winter weather advisory and they're, you know, suggesting that it's only emergency travel. The roads are pretty slick right now and the mountains are getting hammered with snow. So quite yeah. the storm that blew through. Yeah, it's bad. If, if, if you're getting what we got, um, I, I didn't know we were expecting this much snow, uh, for November 7th. That's the night we're recording for those listening. Uh, you know, I was expecting maybe a skiff or whatever, which is pretty typical, uh, this time of year in November. And we woke up this morning to four inches on the ground. And by lunch, we had like eight here at the property. Um, yeah. and so it's coming, man. Yeah, no, it, winter is here. It's, uh, yeah. it's definitely, there's a cold front that's come through and the storm is following it for sure. I'm hoping it's uh, going to make these deer move a little bit though. I have, I've had a pretty slow deer season so far. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was thinking too, is as soon as this breaks, those deer are going to be up and moving and it's going to oh, be man. awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, let's let's kind of give uh, the bird's eye view of who you are and your background and uh, we'll talk on X hunting and, and we'll just kind of take the, the, the conversation from there, man. Yeah, no, I love it. So I, uh, you know, I am the hunt marketing manager at on X and so I've been here They've been crazy enough to keep me for seven years. I actually started as an intern. I was born and raised in Missoula, Montana. And my whole life, I just wanted to work for a hunting company. And fortunately, I had one right out my back door. And I started as an intern and was fortunate enough to grow with the company. And seven years later, we're much larger than we were at that time. But my day-to-day -day is working with the marketing team and working you know, with folks like you and our other partners and just trying to get the word out about Onyx and, you know, getting feedback from them and finding ways to improve the product. So did you come to Onyx like right out of college as an intern? Is that what happened? Yeah, the day, the day after college. So I actually went to school over in North Dakota. I played football out there and then I finished up at the University of Montana here in Missoula and they had an internship posted and fortunately they let me start. They wanted to start a little sooner but I had to finish, obviously finish my last semester of school. And so they let me start the day after I finished college. I think a real company would rather have somebody that would just drop out of college and start, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they need that, that dedication. So when you said uh, you'd always wanted to work in the hunting space or a hunting industry growing up, I'm curious about that because, you know, growing up, um, I, you know, I was always obviously way into hunting. I looked forward Hunting was my life ever since I was a kid, and but I never thought that working in the hunting industry would be a thing. And maybe it's just a a difference of you know when I was a kid we they we had like dial up internet. I grew up in the eighties and nineties, you know, and so um, and maybe there wasn't as much of a awareness of it or or whatever. Uh, tell me about that. Why? What? Yeah. What made you want to get into the hunting industry as a career? Yeah, for sure. So I, you know, growing up, it was hunting and it was sports. I played sports, played four different sports in high school. And that was definitely my focus. And hunting took a backseat a little bit, like especially during football season and whatnot, going to play in college. But the main reason was, and I agree with you, I, the time period that I grew up in was the peak of, you know, the Sportsman and Outdoor Channel. And there was all these TV shows. And Mm -hmm. I remember watching them back when they were on TNT and renting the movie or renting the VHSs and watching them. But really when I was in that grade school to high school, that's when, I mean, I would 
well, we didn't have DVR right away, but I would record all the, uh, and I don't even know if that was legal, but I would record on DVDs all the uh, hunting shows that I wanted to watch. And then when we got DVR, I was able to watch them. And I would say that was like when Sportsman Outdoor Channel really took off. And I would watch Eastman's and Meat Eater and Western Hunter and all these shows. And yeah. I just, I thought it was so cool that, you know, at that time, like they got to go hunt all these different states and mm-hmm. go, you know, kind of document what they're doing. And so I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I just knew, you know, my dad always said, find something that you're passionate about and chase that. And I knew I loved hunting and I loved how these guys got to experience so many different things. And so I figured I wanted to find a way that I could do something like that. And while I'm not filming a TV show or anything for my day to day, I get to work with a lot of cool people and I get to talk about hunting every day. Which is great. And, you know, yeah. growing up in Montana, we had companies like Army App and Sitka and Onyx and Kenetrek Boots. And so I knew that there were some companies here just that I could stay in Montana. And so that's kind of where early on in college, I was like, I want to try to find something that I can do at one of those companies. Cool, man. That That's interesting. It's just it's I, I always like to hear everybody's different perspectives, how they grew up and, you know, kind of how they ended up where they're at. Uh, if you'd, if you'd have told me like 10 years ago that I'd be hosting a Western hunting podcast that has gotten the traction for some reason that this show has gotten, I, I would have, I th- I would have thought you would have needed to be like, you know, institutionalized or something. Um, you're, so you're in Missoula and yep. I, I, you mentioned RMEF. I'm totally curious, man, what is going on with the headquarters over there? Cause I'm, I'm in Missoula all the time and I always look forward to swinging into the headquarter building and buying a t-shirt or something. Uh, and, and they have been closed for like three years. It seems. Yeah. What year is it? It's 2022. So, so about two and a half years, these guys have been closed and every time I pull up there, there's a different sign on the door and it's like, Oh, we're flooded. Uh, oh, we're closed down for remodeling. Like, what the hell? What's going on with that place? Yeah, 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 for sure. So I actually just talked to them. Oh, it would have been a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, they had some unfortunate circumstances. They were trying to open up a little while ago and some waters actually, or water lines burst and it actually flooded like the entire main floor. And so that delayed a whole bunch of things. And that was right in the midst of a remodel. And so you know, mm. as it is, it's, everything is so busy. It's tough to just get on schedules to get people to come fix it and stuff like that. So it delayed it quite a bit. But I will say they are going to have a new visitor center that they completely revamped. And I haven't seen it, but I've seen some of the different things that they're going to have in there. And I believe it's opening up here pretty quick. I don't know the exact date, but I know that they're planning on having it open here soon. And It'll be really cool. I think it definitely was one of those things they wanted to get open sooner. Um, mm-hmm. But the water lines really delayed it. And I think just the timing of just trying to get everything complete, things just took a little longer than expected. But yeah, it is going to be pretty cool once it opens up. That'll be cool. I, I, I can't wait to see like what they've done in there because uh, I, I geek out with that kind of stuff. I love going in there and seeing their interactive t- you know, topo map and, you know, where For the sure. elk herds are and buying a t-shirt and my kids love it anyway. Yeah. yeah it's and been it's in such a beautiful place. It's like tucked mm-hmm. up in the mountains. And what's cool is like routinely from their office, you can look up on the hill and there's a resident elk herd that just hangs out up there, especially, yeah. you know, in the late fall to the winter time, they winter up there. And so during the winter, you'll look up there and see 200 head of elk just hanging out right up above. So it's in like the perfect spot for the elk foundation. 
Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, Missoula is like the yeah. When you think of Missoula, Montana, or at least at least back in the old days, you think of elk, and that's yeah. I, I think the RMEF has a lot to do with that, but it's also just you know where it's at. I, I don't know that there's been a time that I and I drive through a lot, but when I go through Missoula, that you know. Whether it's it's you know, just the outskirts of town or within you know twenty thirty minutes of Missoula, you, you're always going to see elk, and yeah. so yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great spot, man. And and in terms of uh, living out west, we're practically neighbors because of it. So I love it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's a it's been a great place to grow up, and it's definitely growing very quickly. Most you know most of the west is, but yeah. it is still a really nice town to grow up in, and. I've definitely enjoyed my time here. I mean, I left, I went to North Dakota for a little while and I enjoyed my time out there, but I was definitely ready to get back to the mountains. What was your favorite part? Did, when, when you went to North Dakota, did you, did you do any like upland game hunting? Yep. So we would do over there. What was cool is if you went to college, you could get red, you would pay resident fees. Yeah. So I yeah. would bow hunt for mule deer and whitetail on our bye weeks or on Sundays when we didn't have practice, but we did, pheasant pheasant opener is the big thing there and so we always had a game on pheasant opener but we tried to sneak out on sunday and i had a bunch of friends who had farms close so did a lot of upland hunting out there when 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 i was going to school so it was a good time and i mean they have great fishing as well yes they have a lot of great pan fishing walleye pike and there's a ton of different little lakes right around that have fantastic fishing so it was all good things um and then I would still, like on Thanksgiving weekend and stuff like that, I'd sneak back over to Montana and try to at least get a couple day hunt in. Yeah, yeah. The Is North Dakota, is that the state that has, um, you, you can get an elk tag only if you're a resident and they don't sell any non-resident tags? Yep, so it's a once in a lifetime. If you draw oh, it as it a resident, you only get one chance at it, yep. Did you... Uh, did you, sorry, I was drinking water there. Did you, did you put in for it when you were there? No. So that is, I only got to buy the over the counter stuff. As oh, a resident. gotcha. I didn't get to do, that would have been cool, but no, unfortunately I didn't. I did have a couple of friends who did draw it. And I mean, honestly, it's like, it's like the Badlands of Montana. Like the elk numbers are pretty good over there. They have bighorn sheep. Um, and it was, you know, you'd see some really nice bulls in those Badlands on that Western border there and it was pretty cool just like driving because where i went to school was dickinson so it was about an hour and 10 minutes into the border and so i get to montana really quick but on that whole drive back it's just you know rolling badlands yeah yeah kind of the the missouri breaks you know Mm -hmm. so it was very similar you wouldn't really know the difference between that and eastern montana except for the big sign that says entering montana i just i i love I, this is what I love about like the American West, and a lot of people would would look at North Dakota as the Midwest, and and I get that, uh, but it, it, it's all the American West, and and just the insanely d- diverse set of topography and terrain, and and different kind of landscapes that uh, make it what it is, and it's not that far. Like there's a big difference between where I live to two uh, two two and a half hours down the road into Missoula. Uh, like that, that's quite a bit different than where I'm at. And then yeah. two and a half hours from Missoula, like that's totally different. And then you start heading south yeah. and then we're in a whole different ballgame. I just, I, I love that about the West versus like when I, when I lived in, um, I, I was stationed in North Carolina in the military and like, it all just kind of looks the same. You know, um, if you're close to the coast, there's going to be some palm trees in the Southeast, but 
Like, you could drive from Georgia to North... Now I'm going to get some nasty emails, man. Somebody in North Carolina is going to listen to this. <laughs> like, we don't look like Georgia. You dirty yeah. bastard. But And I get it. There there are some nuanced differences. But the, the comparison in terms of what the landscape transition is from here, like like living in Utah, you could be in the high subalpine uh, in the morning and then get in the truck, and, and by, by evening, you're in, like, the... the sandstone deserts you know you know what i mean yeah. so it's just that yeah. kind of transition is what i'm talking about yeah no it's i mean it's crazy you head six or seven hours in any direction and it will be a vastly different landscape and yeah. it's pretty cool you know from like a hunting and fishing standpoint you can be in a weekend you can be doing two different types of hunts for maybe the same species or a completely different species and so yeah it's that's the thing i love about the west is it yeah. it has some form of hunting for everyone and if you want to try a little bit of everything it doesn't take too long to try it out yeah it's there and and there's opportunity and there's access and there's public land and there's all these things and and i i want to get into all this but first i want to switch let's let's talk about onyx for a minute and um i want to kick that part of the conversation off by telling you a story about how onyx saved my life do you want to hear this I love it. I love these stories. And this might be that might be an exaggerated statement, and and you're gonna you're gonna see why here in a minute. But it, I probably used it in a way that nobody's ever used it before. So this was back, um, it was probably 2019 ish or so. So Zach, what I do for a day job when I'm not when I'm not hunting or podcasting here uh, is I am a commercial roofing estimator, and I I go look at gigantic roofs throughout the Pacific Northwest. And uh, some of that entails looking at like giant high schools and some, you know, not all high schools are created equal. You know, if you grew up in Missoula and and you compare that to like where I grew up, those high schools are going to be the same. But if you go somewhere like Seattle or, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, those high schools are like college campuses, it seems like Mm -hmm. they're monsters. And so I'm 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 out I I just gotten Onyx uh, like six months before this, and just just was getting the the, the handle on the app part of it, um, and and I really liked it. I'm out looking at a roof, and and what what's going on as a facility manager there is like, man, we got this leak, and I just need to track it down. If you could help me find where this leak is coming in at, blah blah blah. And so we get to looking on the roof, and I'm all over this roof. This this high school is an absolute monster of a building. Um. I don't know how many thousands of square feet this thing is, but it's huge. And and I'm like, man, I what we need to do is get in the attic and and find uh where the moisture is coming in inside the building. This this had like a big walk in attic, right? It's probably ten feet yeah. tall. All their HVAC equipment is all ducted through this giant attic. The problem is is when you go in the attic, uh there's no windows. There's no way to have your bearing. It's just this big endless hallway with all these different turns. So yeah. I'm in this. I'm in this inspecting uh, the the deck, the underneath of the roof, and the facility manager is like, "Hey, man, I just got a call. I got to run down and open the unlock this door for this other guy, what, maintenance guy or whatever." So he leaves me up there, and it's lit up, and I find where the water's coming in. I find the leak, and and I'm like, "Okay, so I found the leak. I just need to know where I'm at and how to get out of here." And I start walking around. And next thing you know, when you're in a framed attic that's full of ductwork and there's just little walkways, you get lost yeah. really easy. And, yeah. and yeah. I'm not kidding you, man. I walked for 15 or 20 minutes and, and I'm like, okay, 
I can't. I, I have no idea where the, I'm at. The facility guy wouldn't answer his phone. So guess what I did? I pulled up my Onyx, and this thing was so dialed in that it showed me exactly what wing of the building I was in in this school. And I was able to walk back to where I knew that, like, we, we had accessed this thing by the cafeteria of the high school, and I knew kind of what that looked like from the satellite part. So I could see this little dot following me on my Onyx on the roof of this building as I'm walking out because, you know, obviously it's not showing you the inside of the building. It's showing you the top yep, of the building. Yep. <laughs> and yep. so I feel like if I wouldn't have had Onyx, somebody would have found my skeleton like 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, that is that is definitely one of the more unique stories I've heard. But yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it uh, it's crazy. You wouldn't believe the stories that we've heard, you know, similar to that of just use cases that we did not make the app for. But I'm glad that they were able to help out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great for that kind of stuff, and I'm I'm just I was this was uh, again this was a few years ago, and so I was I was super impressed with how well it dialed me in within a building, in terms of th- this thing was not just giving me, you know, general f- vicinities. It knew exactly where I was at in what wing of the building, down to like a few with probably within a foot or two of where I actually was, and I literally found my way out. Um, and so I want, let's talk about Onyx. Give us like just a, a brief history on the company, how it started and how you guys have evolved into, I mean, you guys are, you guys are hands down the leader in this, in this space. What, would you agree with that? We've, we've fortunately been very successful. We've, uh, you know, we've been, what are we at year coming up on year 13 mm-hmm. and, you know, especially like in hunting and any outdoor recreation, friend referral is huge. And if someone uses it and likes it, they tell their hunting party and those groups start to use it. And so we've been very fortunate, you know, we have millions of hunters using it now. And so, yeah, we've, we've been very successful, fortunately, because Eric Siegfried, our founder, he was, you know, there was two folks who kind of started, well, who had this idea and actually got it down in a digital form. And there was an individual out of Idaho who had chips for the or not sorry not idaho out of north dakota he had chips and then eric siegfried started and the reason he did was he was looking up at the mountains and he's like i know there's public access up there i know how to find the easy to find ones that all the hunters are at but i know that this public crosses roads and i can get to it other ways i just need to be able to see my location on this map you know he just had a usgs map and he's like i need to be able to see where i'm at on here and so he ended up started taking, you know, he knew he could get this data. It was all readily available. And he started putting it on a Garmin chip. And he started by just doing individual hunting units. And people would call in and say, here's where I'm hunting. And he'd build them and he'd sell them. And then eventually he made a chip. And at that time, they were wholesale sports, now known as Sports and Warehouse. They had a program where they could buy from local companies and stuff like that. And he brought, like, I don't remember the exact amount, but, like, 10 chips there and he's like hey gave him a pitch here's what it is gave it to him and he got a call back like right away saying hey i sold those immediately like i want more and fortunately you know that was kind of how we got our start and so we had the chip for a while and then folks started asking once we got into multiple states they're like how can i get this on smartphone i always have you know and at that time smartphones were the technology is not where it was today or where it is today, 
but folks had it at a bigger screen. They were going to carry it already. And they're like, I want to get an app. I want this on here. And so the customers were really the ones that dictated that because the chip business was really great. And people were using Garmin's. They were very dependable. They were rugged. They didn't have to worry about them breaking. But there was enough people saying, hey, I got a smartphone that I'm carrying anyways. I'd like to see it on this bigger screen. And so once so, we start building the app, oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to, just real quick. So that was not the an intentional thing in the beginning was was it wasn't like this vision okay we're going to start with these chips and then we're going to build an app it, it was it kind was of by by customer driven yeah. request kind of thing it was definitely that's what spurred it i mean it was one of those things like we definitely wanted to you know we were always going to look at the technology and we had it on the computer and stuff and we had it on our roadmap but the customers were you know definitely a huge reason why it it spurred it along and sped it up. We had enough people asking for it and it's like, Hey, let's get this out here. And at that time asking $30 for an app was insane. All apps were free, but you know, it, it costs, it costs some money to keep, to keep the app running and to get the information and stuff like that. And so we, fortunately that's kind of what we had to do to have a single state, but we did release it. The chip was still widely successful and very popular, but, a lot of folks started kind of adopting the app and then eventually it just, you know, now it's to the point where there's still folks who use the chip, but 90, you know, I don't even know the exact percentage, 98%, 99% of the folks are using the app because we can just give so much more information. The chip was public private hunting unit. That was really, and then a very basic topo map. I got it. I ran into into a dude during elk season who was cruising around in a side by side with his GPS Garmin with the chip in it, the Onyx chip, and mm-hmm. I ended up calling him a dinosaur. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like I use the app and I am not up to speed with all this technology these days. Like, why are you using that? So I, I guess, but it is pretty popular still. Yeah, I mean, there's still folks who like it. It, you know, and I a lot of them use both. Um, mm-hmm. And the chip is normally like a backup, but there are some, you know, especially like the folks who use rhinos or they use like, an, you know, the Astros or they run dogs. Like they like to have it since they are going to carry that garment, but really the app is, I mean, it's so much better technology. We're able to provide so much more value and it's just a bigger screen. It's a lot easier to see the detail of what yeah. you're looking at. Um, so it's, you know, it's our focus going forward is the app. Is the app. Okay. There is only one call company here at the Western Huntsman, and that is Phelps Game Calls. Born out of hunting and the necessity to make the best calls on the market, Jason Phelps started this company in his garage back in 2009. And now he's got some of the finest lineup of elk calls, turkey calls, predator calls, waterfowl calls available on the market. If you guys go to the website, Check it out and get what you need. And if you're in the market, when you go to checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Whether you're just getting started or have expert-level calling skills, check it out at Phelps Game Calls. Get them close. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation owned boot company, a family of shoemakers based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade, and I really like the Hoffman Explorer in the 8-inch. It's the best boot out there, so check it out at hoffmanboots.com, and you'll see the whole lineup of hunting boots and lineman boots and pack boots and everything else right there on the website. 
And if you choose to purchase a pair of boots, make sure you use the promo code all caps lock Huntsman 10 for 10% off. Scree Gear, extreme high-performance hunting attire and gear that is scientifically tested. Complete layering systems and some of the finest merino wool products to keep you warm and comfortable. And it's all backed by a great company. What I really like about Scree is if you go to the website, they have these bundle options like the elk bundle or the whitetail bundle or the turkey bundle. All that stuff that'll get you completely outfitted for your favorite hunt. The starter bundle is a really good deal. Make sure you check that out. They've got the VIP sizing guarantee. And so you can exchange something if it doesn't fit right at absolutely no charge to you. Guys, it's a great warranty, great company. And at checkout, as always, use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. The Elk Collective. Folks, the best investment you can make when it comes to hunting is what's between your ears. Having elk knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while versus those who notch a tag every single year. So go to the Elk Collective and sign up. There's over 150 videos in this online course to teach you everything you need to know by some of the best experts to ever enter the Elk Woods. It's a great program at a great price, guys. And if you use the promo code, the Western Huntsman, you're going to get 20 bucks off of your entire course. So instead of 89 bucks, you'll get it for $69. And now that September is over and we're into October and November and all these fall hunts, if you get it now, you're going to have an entire year to go through all this course. And believe me, you're going to need it. There's so much content in there. So check it out and use the promo code, the Western Huntsman, all one word. Last but not least is Tacticam. Guys, you know I've been using Tacticam for a very long time. I really like my Tacticam 5.0s. I like my Tacticam in the wide lens so you can get that kind of wider angle and shot. Uh, the, they've upgraded now. They've got the Tacticam 6.0, which is super cool. I can't wait to get mine. And also the cell cams. Don't forget about the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. They've got a bunch of different series of these things, and I've got them all over my property so I know what's going on at all times. Whether I got a bear that's coming after my chickens, or if I have an intruder down at the driveway, or if I have a giant monster whitetail buck over in my hunting spot, I know what is going on at all times. I love my Tacticam reveals, guys. Check it out at Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. Yeah, I was one of those people, man, um, back in the beginning uh, where it was like 30 bucks. What the hell are they thinking? This thing must be yeah. gold. It must it must leave you a golden egg when you turn it on, you know, and, and uh, I paid my 30 bucks and I, I complained about it. Uh, but the complaining stopped is because I bought it a couple months before I went into the Elkwoods into a unit that I'd never, actually never been in. And I was a guy that didn't really even use GPS. Um, you know, I just, I just, I knew the areas I hunted well and, and, and I didn't need something like that. And so point being is as soon as I took it into this unit that I'd never hunted before, and started working through the app, and and the the nice thing for me was the usability and the ease, uh, because it was there was other systems out there that uh, were extremely complicated and a bit cumbersome. Um, maybe maybe there was too many features available that weren't necessary. And for me, the simplicity of using OnX, even though it had further capabilities, you didn't have to use them. 
um, it, it was like a game changer for me. I knew exactly where I was. I was able to pinpoint elk where I knew they were bugling. Um, and, and it allowed me to develop like a strategy as to how to get close to them. You know, all sorts of things changed for me with, with when Onyx came out. And so, um, I guess that was a long way of telling you is I was bitching and moaning about the 30 bucks until I took it to the field and I, I've never bitched about it since. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, you know, especially at that time, like I understood it, it was unprecedented. There was not apps that were charging and now you know there's member and really it's an app but it's a membership you get so much with it it's very similar like people memberships are normal now to be paying especially 30 for a year that's cheap comparatively to other memberships but really for us we just knew being on a mobile platform we could provide so much more than just public private and hunting units we could now put in things like 3d aerial imagery you know, and then all the different hunt layers, but really like, I think the number one thing, and you know, we hear it all the time, but it, the number one thing right away with Onyx was you would see generally folks. And I did this too. I hunted all the areas that I knew and I got very comfortable with. And some of those I was very successful and some not as much. And maybe I saw some elk there one time, but year in, year out, it might not be the same. And I wasn't as confident to go try new areas, especially like if you look at the West, like we have so much public land, you can find all this national forest, but also mm-hmm. there's little tiny chunks of public, like a single state section. I actually shot an antelope off one this year that you could see on a paper map, but it was always so difficult to be confident to know I was actually on it. Cause sometimes it's not marked. There was no fences, whatever. And so it's like, this just looks like a field. I'm not sure if I'm on state or if I'm on private. And so generally those didn't get hunted. And Mm. that was the first thing, you know, that I think a lot of people where they got the aha from like, you know, just these digital maps in general is you could go to a place and we always say it internally at OnX, but you can get 10 years of information in 10 minutes, you know, 10 years of experience of what it takes. You can have that in 10 minutes going to a brand new area. I can know what the weather is doing, what the topography looks like, how I can access it, you know, what the pinch points are, what the timber looks like. I can have all that very, very quickly now. It, it, exactly. I, I like how you said that, that you can get, you know, 10 years of information in 10 minutes. That, that, that It's super true for anybody – And I don't think that there are any hunters out there that are like, maybe there are some older, older generation hunters that maybe haven't picked up on X or, or some other mapping system, you know, similar or whatever, but like you don't understand how much, how many doors are open, how much opportunity is, is now right at your uh, fingertips with this one app. It's, I I don't even, I've been, I I am, you know what? I turned 42 this week, man, um, as we're recording. I just realized that as we're recording. I didn't realize my birthday was this. It's Monday night. My birthday is, is Thursday. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Happy early birthday. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I think you're the first one to wish me happy birthday. But I just it's funny. I just realized that as we're recording. But anyway, uh, so I'll be 42 on Thursday. And uh, I have been hunting since I was old enough to walk uh, with, with family and whatnot and have had tags every single year since I was old enough to have tags. 
uh, it, with the exception of a, a couple of years I was deployed overseas with the military. Um, I'm, I'm saying that to highlight that with all those years, I like don't even remember hunting without Onyx. I, I don't remember hunting without this this technology. And and if you were to like take it away from me, I I know I, I know the old fashioned like land navigation techniques. And I I know how to read a topo map. I know how to do all that. Um, but I would feel handicapped without it now. And I think a lot of people would. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, think, I mean, I think that's the impact that that something like Onyx has has made. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it. It, you know, for who whatever hunting style you have, we're trying to find a way to add value. But for the folks who are looking for, especially new places to hunt, it would be you know, I, I it just saved so much time, um, and it just allows you to spend more time hunting and less time in the planning and strategizing and figuring out. And then ultimately like our biggest goal is just to make folks more confident when they're in the field. Um, if you're not having to worry about, you know, am I on the right piece of land? Am I on the right Ridge? Like, is this where I'm trying to head? Like that it makes you, it, it just gives you so much more time to focus on actually looking for game and not trying to figure that out. I think the thing that I always look back, you know, just besides knowing what land I was on and the amount of public land it opens up, the one I always laugh about is, hiking ridges, you know, like you look on a map and you know, you want to get to this spot, this basin, the saddle, whatever we would generally, you know, try to figure out which ridge we needed. And that, you know, I really noticed it on the way out. Cause when you're chasing animals, you kind of disregard, you try to find, you know, the easiest way to get there, but sometimes you just got to go where they go. But then on that walk out, you think you found the right ridge to get there, but you end up going up and down about three. Mm-hmm. that's the thing that I remember the most pre on X is the amount of times that in the dark, when we were walking back out and we took the wrong ridge or whatever, yeah. and we realized we had to go up and down to get back to the truck. Whereas now you can pull it up and look at topo or look at satellite and I can figure out exactly like, no, this will be the easiest way for us to get yes. back or to whatever we need to. Where in the past, I can remember so many when I was young, we weren't lost. Maybe we were at sometimes, but, we definitely did not take the best way to get to it's wherever not, we were trying yeah, to go. That, that's exactly, you nailed it, man. It's not that you were lost. You were just off course a little bit. And and the nighttime hikes out is, again, you nailed it. That's where it has saved my ass a million times. Like, I I know, okay, I can I can pull up the top top of section and, and I can look at it and I, I think, okay, if I go this way, I'm going to hit three or four different ridges where if I just kind of, yes, this, this way is a little bit longer mileage wise, but I'm, I, it's more of a flat terrain that is going to make the exactly. walk out a lot easier, especially if I'm yes. packing meat, you know? And so yes. no, it's, it's, it's a great tool, man. Do you, I, I'm totally curious. Do you guys ever get uh flack from like private landowners uh, you know, that argue about, well, your lines are off and I've got hunters walking on, on my uh, land and they're trespassing kind of thing. Do you ever, do you, do you guys run into stuff like that? Yeah, we definitely get some, Um, you know, when we just, the sheer amount of folks who use it, like we're definitely going to have some things that are off. And the mm-hmm. thing that's nice is we honestly, like with those and this, you know, it sounds like bullshit, but really like for us, as soon as we get those in, we fortunately have an entire team on the GIS who can then go back and say, you know, they can either email us, call us, or there's a spot you can report an error with in the app. And when those come in, 
our GIS team will then go look at that area, whether it's like my name's marked incorrectly or this borders off or whatever. And what we'll do is we'll go back to our sources, check with the state, the county, whoever, and we will see one, is their data off and did they give us the wrong data or is it on us? And generally we can get it fixed pretty quickly. And so that's the really nice thing is like the nature of it is like a lot of this data in general it's taken a while to actually get it all digitized. And like some of this data is, you know, it's been written down or you have to go to the courthouse or whatever, and it may be off slightly, but now that there's as much demand as there is with folks using the product, it's really spurred folks to try to get the most up-to-date information possible, including us. And so, yeah, we definitely get folks um, who are saying, you know, like this is mismarked or this is off a little bit, whatever. But the good news is we can go fix it, you know, generally within a day or two and updates automatically. And for the most part, like landowners generally like it because it keeps people off their land. Whereas in the past, you know, they might not know, like back to that example of a state section that doesn't have a fence. They might just have hunters walking there because they know they could see it, that it was state, but then they didn't know exactly where the boundary was. And so they accidentally were trespassing. And so in a lot of ways, it actually keeps folks off their land i wonder if it i I wonder if it rubs some landowners wrong in a way uh that like okay they 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 looked at it maybe there's a state access easement that's uh 20 feet long or whatever between their two fields and they're like oh that's just mine you know because because i'm me i own it and i've always had access there and it keeps everybody out so i can go up there and hunt (laughs) i'll bet they get a little tweaked about that sometimes but uh, I love it, man. I, I think it, it is like, it, I think that in terms of, you know, when you look back through the evolution of hunting in America, especially in the, the American West, there's been a few things that just kind of really change hunting. And like, like, you know, for example, the compound bow. Yeah. You know, things like that. Onyx hunting or Onyx hunt maps, Onyx maps is, is one of those things. Um, the, uh, that just triggered a question. Now I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank on what I was. Oh, I do have a gripe, Zach. Are you customer yeah. service? Is this something I can uh, yes, gripe to you? Yes, absolutely. Yep. So I bought, uh, my wife and I, we bought some, our, our land that we're living on now. We're homesteading here in uh, Clark Fork, Idaho. And it, it's been well over a year, but when I pull it up on Onyx Maps, it still says the old owner's name, and it, it irritates me. Yeah. Yep. Nope. I completely understand. And so just to, well, I guess give, you know, the listeners some information on this too. We get that for sure. We get that a lot. And sometimes folks will call in, you know, yours being a year, that's not acceptable. Like it needs to be updated. And the good news is (laughs) I can definitely have the team look at it and update it, but we also get folks who will call in and they don't know when we get this data, but generally we're trying to update our state parcel data once to three times a year but it kind of comes in cycles you know it's got to be audited and go through and everything there but we will get folks who they'll buy it and then like a week later expect it to be updated we can only get it once the county actually updates their records we you know we don't have people on the ground doing it but with yours it's one of those things where sometimes it's you know a county might be slower or just because of the update cycles it just hasn't updated but a year is generally like that is too long and so the good news is we can get that right to the GIS team. They'll get in touch with the county, and then we can get that whole county updated. 
That's and that was my cutoff. I I was like super patient. I was like, oh, we'll just wait, you know, a year. And actually, I don't I don't really care that much, man. And in fact, I don't actually know that I want my name on there because I I border some land that people hunt, and they'd be able to figure out where I live. And I, and sometimes I say shit on this show that really pisses people off. <laughs> and so I don't yeah. I don't necessarily want them to know where I live. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely had people who have requested to have it changed within the app as well for similar reasons like that yeah no definitely i mean it you know a lot of people like with the app they obviously use it for hunting but also like you can see your neighbors you can see who owns the land or whatever so we have a lot of real estate agents who use it as well for that reason i mean how nice is it that you can go to a place that you're selling show exactly what it looks like on aerial say what the acreage is and just show that potential buyer, like here's exact the piece from a digital, like you can see an aerial view totally. and get all the information. So it gets used a bunch of different ways. That's how we checked out our land, man, with, with my realtor. Um, when uh, a shout out to AJ McVitie, uh, when we were out here checking out, cause we, we bought 26 acres, you know? And so, uh, we, we were using Onyx to kind of, kind of stake it out and figure out where the property lines are. But I can imagine like, <laughs> you get some dude on, uh, you know, he's a he's a mobster or something on witness protection, and and uh, he doesn't want his name on there or whatever. I don't I don't know. They probably change their names when they do that anyway, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And there's definitely folks who will do like LLCs and stuff like that. And so yeah, we you know we show up as what the county is going to have, but there are some circumstances where things are changed. What is the difference between? Um, Onyx off-road, Onyx hunt, and Onyx backcountry. Are there like key differences as to what those are, features, that kind of thing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, you know, for us, like the core foundation of the product, how stable it is, the in- how intuitive it is, and the usability, those are all very similar. But the reason why, you know, because we've always been asked, like we had so many people who used it for hunt first and foremost, but then at that time there wasn't another product like it for off-road backcountry. So they were like, can you put this layer set or this feature set in for us? And so the reason we went with three products is we really want to tailor the experience for the activity you're doing. And off-road is focused around roads and the trails that they are driving. It doesn't necessarily have, it doesn't need all that hunting data and all that stuff in there. It needs the public lands, the points of interest, and a very detailed road and trail data set that tells what vehicles you can take. But then also on top of that, things like, um, you know, what we call rich content, but it's really user-generated content where individuals can drive it. And, you know, in off-road, they're much more willing to share information like this. Like, that's not something on hunt that folks are going to say, this was a fantastic hunt. Here's what the basin looks like. That's not a thing. And so that's not in the hunt app, but in off-road, it is beneficial to have someone able to say, here's what the difficulty is. Here's the type of rig that you should have. Here's, you know, the open closure dates and stuff like that. And so off-road is really going to be focused on what that difficulty is and the information around those roads and trails. And then backcountry is more tailored towards like backcountry skiing. So it has a lot of avalanche reports and snow reports and then it also has some like trails so in there it has that user generated content that talks about um like from this mountain peak here's what the vantage looks like here's the campsites here's what the you know what to expect as far as how long to hike and stuff like that and so 
Hmm. Each one is tailored for that activity and it has tool sets that they would actually need when they're doing that. Cool, man. I didn't know, I didn't know that. I actually, you know, I, I just, I have always used the hunt section, so I didn't know about the off-road thing. Uh, and that's a good idea, man. Um, having some novice go up into like Moab, Utah, uh, in a Jeep thinking they could do whatever trail and then they, they, you know, might not know how difficult it is. Maybe they don't have the experience for it. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the, whoops, I just, I hit something wrong on the website, access initiatives. Uh, I got a question for you real quick before we go into that is, are there things in the Onyx hunt app? Are there things that you are aware of, or somebody at Onyx is aware of that like hunters don't know or understand that they should in order to fully take advantage of the app and the technology available? Yeah. That is the million dollar question there. I would say there's a handful <laughs> I, well, of underutilized I, I, things. I, I know I'm one of them, Zach. I, I know I know there's a ton in this app that I don't know how it works. So anyway, I, I'd love to hear your answer on that. Yeah, for sure. So I'll try to batch them into some of the key ones that I hear. And this one's so much better now, but forever, folks didn't quite understand that it works without service and just saving the map. And they don't completely understand, and this is, again, so much better now, but for years, we had to do a lot of education to help folks understand that the phone actually, smartphones have a GPS unit in it, and that GPS unit does not need service. And so when you're saving a map, you're essentially taking a picture of that map to overlay with the GPS. So when you put it in offline mode or airplane, you can use it completely without service. Yeah. All the service does is it allows us to update. Obviously, when you get back on Wi-Fi or service, we can update parcels or we can add new features or whatever. But when you are in service using it, what it's doing is it's using that GPS, but then it's triangulating off those towers to just get more specific on your location and it's sending information back and forth. Is it towers but, or satellites? Uh, towers. The GPS towers. is okay. going off the satellite, but then it's also connected to the cell towers that are helping triangulate that as well. Gotcha. So, okay. but then when you go offline, it's using that GPS unit. And so with the GPS unit, you can still mark waypoints. You can still function like a Garmin GPS. All you need to do is make sure you save those maps prior. That way you have that, you know, think of it as a picture so it can show what that GPS is doing. That blue check, that blue dot is doing when it's on the map. And so, that was always a big one there. Um, yeah, again, let, it's gotten so much better. Before before you you move on from that one, I I want to like overly explain that because uh, I I've spoke with some hunters recently that did not understand this concept. So what you're doing, guys, for for those listening, you have to go into Onyx in, in your app. You can't do the uh, well. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Can you do it on your desktop and it saves to the mobile app? Or yeah, so you actually can. There's a way oh, that okay. if you highlight. So if you go and tap on the offline map section, I'll start with the computer. If you're scouting on your computer, click offline maps. It's going to give you an option of 150 by 150 mile, a 10 by 10, or a 5 by 5, and that's you know the smaller. So the 5 by 5 is going to be more zoomed in, more detail. The 150 is going to be like a macro level where it will give you the level of detail to be able to see public, private roads, but you won't be able to zoom in and get that clarity of like the aerial imagery and some of the creeks and stuff like that. And so yeah. generally what I would recommend is 
save a one by or a one fifty. I actually have the entire state of Montana. It takes like five of them. That way, I always have roads, trails, public land, and some basic topo. That's a good. But idea. then when I'm hunting units, I save a five or a ten within the areas that I'm actually hunting that I need that more detail. And what's nice is once you save that, it will update it. So anytime there's a change to the public land, private land, roads, trails, whatever, as soon as you hit service or Wi-Fi, it's going to update it. So when you're on web map, you can click that, find your box that you want, click save. And what it'll do is it'll ping your phone. And when your phone's on in service, it'll prompt you to start saving that to your phone because you're actually saving it to the device. And it's the same concept when you're on your phone. You just determine where you want that box, what the size is, and all you have to do is click save. And then what's nice is when you're in the field, you can flip it on airplane mode or we have an off-grid section, click that, and it will then start using the GPS and it'll pull up that save map. And a lot of times I do it, you know, like when you're trying to search something online or text and you're kind of on like one bar at the edge of service that takes a long time. Well, that's the same thing with our app it also drains your battery because your phone is working so hard to try to pull in that service. Mm -hmm. And so I flip it on since I have everything saved, I flip it off on off grid for me. So then I can still get a text if I need to, but then it's not trying to pull that information and drain my battery. And so then I can just use it off grid in the, within the, within the app. That's what you're saying. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So you can do it that way. Offline maps. Yep. You just so go, go, going, you hit the go offline. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Yep. Hit okay. go offline and that'll flip it on. So it's going to use your save maps. Gotcha. And then, well, or the other way you can do it is just flip your phone on airplane mode and it'll do the same thing. Yeah. And I, I always do that. And I highly recommend everybody else to do that. But what I was trying to get at earlier, guys, is you, you have to download these things. You can't, because I, I was talking to somebody that I ran into hunting that was complaining about how his on X wasn't working. So I'm like, let me see your phone. And, and I, I pulled it up um, and he didn't have the map safe. So it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't, you know, the, the imagery wasn't clearing up obviously because yeah. we, were, we were way out of service and he didn't understand that you have to create your area and then you have to hit download and name it or whatever, you know? Um, and that way you've, you've, it's actually downloaded to your phone and yes, it takes some, um, you know, storage space or whatever on your phone, but it's super critical you have that. Otherwise, it's not going to work if you're out of service. And, uh, folks, hot hot little tip here, always run your phone. If you're out of service, always run it on airplane mode. Uh, you'll, yes. you'll get 10 times the life out of your battery. Um, yes. So, anyway, that's that's my two cents. I got here, – here's a question for you, um, Zach. Where on the app do I go – to pay extra money to find pins of people that I know are very successful. <laughs> yeah, we definitely, uh, we get that one. We get asked that one a lot. <laughs> it's something that, you know, it, we, Eric Sidfried started, you know, he was a hunter. He was a guide now. Well, he was a guide growing up and it was something from the very beginning that, you know, we cherish our pins just as much as our customers do. And so, we've invested a lot of money to encrypt those and make sure that those are safe. And unfortunately I can't get those for you. It would be, uh, oh. it would be definitely a question that we get asked all the time is how can I find, you know, where the next world records hiding or this guy shot him and where was it? Unfortunately, <laughs> really I, unfortunately I can't do, 
you really oh, get, we those get them joking. We get those joking all the time, but there's definitely people who are concerned like, Hey, I'm putting a lot of information that I've spent a lot of time to get. Oh yeah. I don't want these to, do, man. you know, get out. And you know, we, that is the utmost importance for us. And so, yeah, we've invested a ton of money and time and resources making sure that those are safe. Do you guys, do you guys, I, I think that a lot of people wonder this, Zach, it, like in your office, are you guys able to pull up? Okay. We know this user. Uh, what, where's he hunting at? D- does that make sense? Like you can look at yeah, where everybody's yeah, yeah, yeah. are? No, no. So we can't actually see that. The only, you know, there's, there's ways that we could help a customer recover their password or something like that if they were to lose it or they can't get access. But we don't have a way just to pull it up and see where you're hunting. Um, it's something that, you know, it is, it's essentially like encrypted, you know, you can't yeah, yeah. see individual X user is here. Like we don't have the ability to actually pull that up. Cause I, I, somebody made a comment to me. I think it was on while we were recording. They're like, yeah, I noticed those guys at Onyx, they, they got way more successful once they started gathering all these pins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, thought, I don't think that's what's going on, man, but you never know. You never know. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think now it's well, and I am unfortunately have only shot two antelope this year, but a couple of the guys I work with who were in the field quite a bit, they, uh, their success is directly correlated with time spent in the field. And maybe they got to be doing a little bit more working and a little less hunting, but yeah, it's no, definitely, it, it's one of those things that, you know, they, uh, we try to let everyone get out and get after it during the fall. No, you just said something super key, man. That's, that's what, when people ask me, I, I get asked a lot, what is your number one piece of hunting advice? And it's always time in the field. It It's, it's not you know, a, a, a super expensive rifle or, or, you know, it's not this and that it's not gear. It's not this and that it is time in the field. And, and yes, I, I sure. think that that's, you know, that's, uh, again, we're getting off topic there, but, um, I've always felt that way. Uh, no, I agree completely. Did we leave anything on the table when I asked about, um, like what you're aware of that the, the features that are available that you feel like hunters don't use or don't know about? Do we leave anything yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so a couple, and I'll just go quick, but I would look, if you go into the app, there are so many different layers. And so if you tap in that bottom left and you click map layers, you can pull up your state layers and there's a lot of great stuff, but there's so much information that's just underutilized. Things like, and I'm just going to, you know, rattle off a couple, but like historic wildfires, being able to see, you know, where the actual good food is that animals want to be. And things like we have different access layers like trails and stuff like that. But then even on top of that, one that's massively underutilized is state-specific access programs. So like in Montana, we have the block management program. There is 6 point, oh, I'm going to botch the number, but six and a half million acres of access for block management. And we have a layer that shows you all of them. And a lot of folks don't, you know, just because they haven't messed with the layers and stuff like that, they don't turn them on. And that is so much access that you're just leaving on the table that you might drive by and see one of the boxes that you can sign in. But I would definitely explore some of those layers because there's some pretty cool things like crop and tree data, historic wildfires. There's a ton of different access layers. Um, And so there's a ton of information outside of like the public, private roads and trails that could really help your hunt. Hmm. 
Uh, is there, where do people learn about that kind of stuff there? Do you guys have like a YouTube channel where you can go through and just kind of get that? That's like what I need. I've learned everything on my Onyx map by just going through and using it as much as I can. And I know I'm missing stuff. I'm knowing, I know I'm missing features, but is there, is there a, a, a place that we could go to kind of watch videos or tutorials or read about it, uh, that, that kind of clarifies all this? Yes, for sure. So our website, we have a bunch, but our YouTube channel, we put out a ton. And actually something we started doing this year is we do webinars. We usually do like two a week. And there's everything from like we've had the gentleman from Eastman's talking about, you know, mule deer hunting tactics. But then we also do like app 101 where we go through and talk about like the basics. But then every single webinar, we always leave 30 minutes to sometimes it stretches to an hour of Q&A. And those are generally on like a Tuesday, Thursday. We've been doing them, you know, a couple of week. And honestly, like if you can get on, ask whatever questions you have, we try to get to all of them. But then also on top of that, we take those webinars and we will record them and then put them on our YouTube. So you can watch them after if there's a topic that you miss that you want to cover. That's a great place to learn just a ton of different things about the app. And not just like how to use it, but actually tactics of how to be successful when you're yeah, doing it. Things yeah. like, Key you know, things. another one that folks never think about it, but using like you see an animal that's on the other side of the drainage and you're planning a stock. And at some point you're going to go out of sight. Obviously, you don't want them to see you. And when you get up there, it always looks different. And so like a big one that we've been using a lot like this year, especially I've been using it a ton is... I will actually range, I'll take my range finder, range where that animal is, get a distance. Then I'll use the line tool, looking at the aerial imagery to kind of figure out which ridge they're on. I'll use that line tool to match it up with what that range is. And then I can drop a waypoint right where they are. So then when I go out of sight and I'm navigating through, I don't accidentally go too far or I hit the wrong ridge or whatever. And so there's some different tactics on how to use the app to help you be more successful. And we cover the amount of information that comes from, you know, we bring on all sorts of knowledgeable folks is crazy. Yeah, I hmm. promise you will pick something up from one of those. Well, if you guys ever needed to do a webinar as to how to get not lost in an attic space in a high school. Uh, I love man. it. I'm your man, dude. Yeah, perfect. I actually, I had a uh, dude that was, uh, he's a Cessna pilot. And he claims that he was... He was uh, in flight, lost his instrumentation, right? It was as it was getting dark, and it was Onyx that got him back to uh, the general vicinity where the airport was, where he could land until he saw the runway lights. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, so I don't know if that was yeah. true or not, but that, that's what he told me. He said, you know, because as a, a, a when you're flying those single engine planes, you can either do uh, sight flying, where where you know you're not really using instruments or GPS, um, and then you have instrument flying which that means you're you're kind of using the the instruments on the uh plane it's telling you you know if you're flying through clouds or whatever it tells you where you're at uh it tells you also I, I don't know i'm not a pilot dude but um there's there's a big difference between the two anyway he said something happened to his instrument instrumentation and he actually pulled up his onyx and it got him back to where he needed to be so that's kind of cool yeah. too yeah no that's awesome well, we were uh, we're supposed to talk about access and access issues here, man. Uh, you got a few more minutes? Absolutely. This is something that is uh, 
honestly from the beginning been core for us so i always have time yeah. to talk about access and and one of the things that i really like about onyx um is is the behind the scenes the act which on your on your website it says access and steward stewardship initiatives for some it must be this winter storm man i'm having a a, a tough time pronunciating <laughs> tonight so <laughs> uh bear with me but basically there there's a couple things i want to mention like for for anybody out there that is still hunting the West without a tool like Onyx, uh, you don't understand what what you're missing out on when it when we're talking about access for hunting and and access for hunting is not getting better; it's getting harder. And so when you have a tool like Onyx, and also hunting is getting more crowded, not less crowded. It's 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 becoming. It seems to be especially bow hunting seems to be becoming a lot more popular than it used to be. And yeah. so the point is, is when you have, if you, if you have a tool like Onyx, you could find these public land areas that are very difficult to access because there's, you know, it's landlocked by, by, you know, these private landowners that uh, don't allow anybody to access their land to get through it. Well, a lot of, in a lot of cases, there's these little easement areas that allow public access. And sometimes they're like, what, am I off base, Zach, when I say sometimes they're like 10 feet wide? But it's a trail, yeah. and you could you could get between these two landowner properties and access thousands of acres of public land, and there's nothing there there's nothing that anybody could say to you to stop you from doing it. Um, that's one side of it. The other side of it is what you guys do behind the scenes in terms of putting money, kind of like your money where your uh, your mouth is, uh, and and doing these initiatives that help access and 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 the the public lands you know just expanding the outdoor space for people do you want to talk about that for a minute yeah for sure so this was something that you know eric's so his goal from the beginning if you think about like his story of how he's looking at it it was access he was looking for ways to find more access to public lands and so we you know with our product identifying the land that was one way of trying to address the access issue but then you know, what came from that is now there's a ton of different folks who are finding that same single state section or whatever. And so we wanted to find ways that we could continue to invest to open up more access. And we've looked at it a couple different ways, but we've actually built an access team who is working on things like, you know, working with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or state specific organizations that we can donate money to open up, you know, it might be an easement or it might be opening up a state-specific private land public access program and ensuring that it's open for another five to 10 years. But then we're also looking at ways that we can help acquire land to give back to the state or BLM or Forest Service to keep it open. And so generally we're looking for these areas of, you know, that are tough to reach or they don't have an access point. We're trying to find ways that we can work with partners or find money ourselves to give to that, to open it up. And then, you know, our, really our goal there, and we have it on our site, but by 2023, we want to be able to open up 150 or 150,000 acres of public land, whether it's through easements or whatever, but in perpetuity, we want to be able to open that up and we're going to hit that pretty easily. We actually want to get more aggressive. That was the first time of us putting a goal on it. And so, we didn't really have a benchmark on what to go. But now what we're seeing is there's so much more opportunity. And so we're actually investing more money to work with partners like RMEF and 
folks like that, Pheasants Forever, who do a lot of great work in state agencies that we can then help them open up even more. And so that's one part of it. Um, the other thing that we've been doing a ton of is we having the amount of knowledge at our office with all our GIS team and the amount of data that we have and we can analyze, there's a lot of different issues out there that we feel like we can help support this conversation by bringing the information to the forefront. So, mm -hmm. for example, we did a landlocked report. We've done a corner locked report for corner crossing. And just recently, and I'm just, these are the last four, but then another one we did was easement data in the Mountain West. And then we just recently went out with a state specific one. And really what we're trying to do there is these conversations have been going for a while. They've definitely been exacerbated now that digital maps and there's a lot more folks who recognize these issues. And so what we looked at is we can help shed some light and bring some more information to the table by identifying like here's how many actual acres we're talking about and here's how many actual corners are corner locking these public lands and trying to just help bring more information so we can hopefully find a solution the i want to take you back to something you said there the the landlock for so landlocked is is like something that just chaps my ass personally i i don't know what it is about the landlocked public land uh, again, for for anybody that doesn't know that, that just means there's public land that is like either completely surrounded or completely blocked by private landowners, and they, you know, it just it's wrong to me. Does that make sense? I don't. I have no way of sounding intelligent about that other than just simplifying the obvious as, as to what it is. For some reason, landlocked public land is wrong to me and and that that shouldn't exist like there is there are so many places where there there could be great hunting if there was just some access to it and it would free up hunting uh, you know we, we talk about these units that gets overcrowded or you know they, they just get pounded and everybody wants to blame non-residents and, and and blah 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 but there's there's so many areas that could ease some of that pressure and offer so many opportunities to resident and non-resident hunters if these landlocked situations didn't exist. And I don't mean getting rid of the private landowner. Obviously, I'm a landowner. You know, I I don't want to get rid of that. But if if I let's say let's say Zach tomorrow, you know how uh, as we're recording this, the the current Powerball is like 1.9 billion dollars. Yeah. If some dumb bastard like me won that kind of money you know what i'd be buying freaking land to hunt on you know what <laughs> yep. i mean but i yep. would never be one of those people that could own all this land that 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 uh like creates this public land island that nobody could access and i wouldn't allow people to access it right uh, I, I yeah. just I don't understand that mentality. I don't understand how that even happened in the first place. The corner crossing thing is an issue, and and but that's that's like a thing in in Montana and Wyoming more so than it is where where I live. Um, but so th basically, I, I'm not I'm not putting that as as a lower importance because of that. But it, it's something that I'm just not as familiar with. Where where I'm talking about is these landlocked areas that. Um, 
All it takes is a trail, an easement to access those areas that would help so many people. And I don't understand why that's not a higher priority for more organizations and, and, and companies. And I'm just glad we've, we've got, you know, people like Onyx that are working on, on stuff like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, you know, it was definitely something like going into it. We knew that there was these lands that, you know, and kind of the nature and we have reports that talk about this and talk about the history of how it happened. But to summarize, like when the West, when folks moved out to the West, there was different types of lands and trades and swaps. And over time, things had just moved around a little bit. And because of that, there was some public land that was completely enclosed by some form of private land or maybe there's some access laws where you can't cross streams or whatever and that piece of public is not accessible and so we really wanted to look and so like for example for you in idaho there are 208,000 acres federally of landlocked lands and for the state land there are another 75,000 um acres that are landlocked completely that landlocked ton, that and so, is a ton of land that is a ton of yes. land Yes, yes, absolutely. So the federal alone, 9.5 million acres just in the West of federally owned landlocked land. And so it's a ton of land. That's, you know, a couple Yellowstone National Parks. And so that was the thing. But see, everyone knew like there was a ton, but we, we didn't know what, how much, how much we were talking. Like, so for example, Montana, federally owned there's 1.5 million acres that are landlocked and did you say the state of really, montana the state of montana, state of montana. Million? wow yep so there was so much wyoming has even more at 3 million acres that are landlocked really and a lot of that is corner locked but they have so much checkerboard out there and so it was you know that was one of those things that we really tried to help this conversation with the folks like TRCP and RMEF and stuff like that, that we can help try to identify ways that we can open this up. And there's been some programs that have been very successful to do so, but it's really hard to have the conversation if we don't even know the actual stats of like how much land we're talking about, where it resides and, you know, where to start focusing in. And so that was kind of our initial start at this especially landlocked, corner-locked, is let's try to, you know, let's use our information and figure out how much we're talking about and see what we can bring to the table. And it's it's been something that's been super relevant in the hunting space for the last, you know, three to five-ish years. It's been going on much longer than that, but it's really come to the forefront recently. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's some good things happening and states are really trying to find ways and landowners are trying to find ways that they can open up access um and that's where we're trying to identify areas that we can help invest or find people to invest to open it up so you guys the the goal was something like landlocked uh because because you said you know our goal is to open up a hundred and fifty thousand acres am i saying that right or was it a different number yep yep no, 150. Yep. Okay, so 150,000 acres uh, in the year 2023, and what you mean by that is is maybe there's a way you can you can open up an access easement site uh, between some some private landowner you know chunks of land or whatever that that maybe that gives people access to you know 50,000 acres there. And then maybe down the road uh, there, there's another one that maybe that's you're going to allow. You're not trying to. Um, the point is, I'm trying to make people understand because I have I have this conversation all the time 
on and off the show, and I, I feel like there's a lot of confusion with how this works. But, you know, 150,000 acres is a lot of land. And so if you were able to create maybe three to four different easements into, you know, from from uh, an area where people could park, say, a trailhead that accesses, maybe you have to walk a mile through an easement that's 10 feet wide. Again, I'm using the 10 feet wide example to get into a 50,000 acre access point where maybe there's a few different herds of elk up there. Um, am I explaining that right? Yeah. So we look, you know, and it's not, it's not just landlocked. Some of it might just be this landowner wants to open up their property to access. And so, but for us, like, yes, landlock, corner lock, those are definitely ones that we look for and how we are, you know, measuring our goal is things access that was not available prior. So if it is an easement that opens up X amount of public layer or land that was there, that was landlocked, but it was not accessible from any other means, then we, you know, that would count. But generally we're, you know, a lot of the types of projects that we're working on are, a you know small piece of private land that they are willing to sell to someone rmef the state whoever and will help invest because that opens up that piece will then become public as well as the public that it is you know next to or touching so then they can access that land so there's a bunch of different ways that it can be but yeah ultimately we're trying to find ways that we can open up vastly more land um and if you look at like the things like RMEF does, for example, they have, and again, this is a layer within the app, but they have their access sites. And most of those, they are acquiring some land for sure, but really the value is the land that it butts up to, the public land that it's getting access yeah. to that you wouldn't have had access to prior. Yeah, their their goal isn't isn't to buy 150,000 acres so people can go hunting. Their, their goal is yeah. to buy a um a quarter of an acre of land that accesses public land that is a, that is pretty sizable and and so like people listening how how can they is there any way they can help with on x because on x has the you know the unique uh side of their organization where they are actively working to um you know take on this challenge uh, a lot yeah. of companies, a lot of companies, you know, whether hunting or non-hunting, a lot of companies they don't have that initiative side of their company where they're they're actually trying to make a positive difference and an impact. And so that's that's one of the reasons that you know I started with Onyx, I tried some other ones, and then I came back to Onyx, and a lot of it had to do with uh, the usability of the app and the fact that you guys do these um, initiatives. And so yeah. that because that was super important to me. And and I think it needs to be super important to a lot of hunters because you know there's we we have to look at the future in terms of hunting and we talk about this on my show all the time. It's not next year I'm worried about. It's ten years from now, and and so what is there is there a way besides just buying the you know a state for for on their app like I like I always have the I'm just set up automatically every year it comes out of my account. I'm I'm set up for Idaho for Onyx. Um, and, and, and whatnot, is there something on top of just that, that people can do to help Onyx achieve those objectives? Yeah. Yeah. So we have, you know, a lot of the partners we work with, there's the big NGOs, but also there's local agencies and different nonprofits and trail associations, stuff like that. And we actually have on our website, you can apply for grant funding from us. And so 
if there's a project that you know someone you know in your city or town or whatever they're working on and they need more funding they can go to our website if you go to our access page at the very bottom it says apply for grant funding you can submit that in to say hey this project would open up x amount of acres or this property would and you know send that application in really it's just a quick description of what it is and our team will look at it and that's a great way to do it another one too is and we've ran this before um and it's something that we kind of tested out to see but we actually had we asked our customers to help us identify some different areas that we could invest in for access and so if there's folks who are interested in opening up access for their own property or they know someone who may be sending those to us would be fantastic because it's something yeah. that it is it is very difficult you know it, it's not like these opportunities just come up all the time and so trying to identify with the ones that are potentials are super beneficial and if the thing that's nice is we work with a lot of different folks from the state to the ngos that we can generally find someone to help out and it might be mm -hmm. a group of us or it might just be one of them but I just even identifying some of these properties and sending them our way is always beneficial as well. Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's great to know um, because I actually might have somebody that you guys should talk to uh, that is interested in that. But it's uh, it's a <laughs> sensitive conversation, I guess, is a way to put it. Got it's funny, yeah. I, dude. I keep getting distracted, man. I've got these tactic cams on my property. Speaking of like you know Yo, private yep, property, yep. Where I've got. The weirdest situation going on right now. I, I, I keep, as we're talking, I, it keeps notifying me, hey, you know, something's on this camera. And the dinkiest little spike antlered buck I've ever seen in my life. Like, this thing isn't even legal. Uh, antlers don't even go past its ears. But he is the biggest bodied whitetail spike I've ever seen in my life. Like, he is almost <laughs> double the size of the does that are around him. It's the craziest thing. Like, there's got to yeah. be some kind of genetic issue going on there, because spikes are usually not even as big as a doe. And, no, and so, no. so something's going on there, man. And he is, like, he is worked up, and he's also, uh, he's, you know, rough, tough, buff and stuff, man. He's just totally built. Yeah. Like, he's been working out or something. It's just, like, the most, I, I'm going to send you the picture after we're off, but he keeps showing up. Teeny little antlers, big ass body. It's the craziest That's thing. So funny. anyway, I just had to yeah. mention that as we're talking, and <laughs> it, it it came up. So he knows he knows the rut's coming. Right? And maybe he hasn't. This might be his first time through. But yeah, totally he's getting all uh, he's getting all excited, and he probably doesn't even know why. <laughs> yeah, it's the funniest thing. So. Well, dude, I've kept you a long time, and and uh, especially because we had those technical difficulties in the beginning. But I'd I'd love to get you back on in the future to kind of update us on some of these um, initiatives and and what Onyx is doing, any big updates, that kind of stuff. Are you open to that? Oh yeah, absolutely, anytime. Okay. Well, uh, is there? Well, I guess th that's the other thing. Tell us where anybody you know that uh, again, if they've been living in a cave in Afghanistan. Where they can find Onyx, um, any social media outlets that you'd like to plug. Uh, tell us all that kind of information. Yeah, so you can just search for Onyx Hunt online and you'll be able to find a way to download the app or check our website out. And, you know, we're on all the major socials and we work with a lot of partners. So if you're watching YouTube or TV, you'll probably see it on there. But if you want to find out more information, just go to our website and it's just onyxmaps.com and You'll be able to see everything from access, learn more about the product, you know, check out our different product selections and stuff like that. 
Is um, I, j- just for clarification, so it's thirty bucks a state, or there yep. is what is the fee if you want to buy all fifty states? So our elite membership is all fifty states, and that's a hundred dollars. But it's how we look at it is it's you know our premium, which is a single state. That is the data you need for that state. Elite is more of a membership in the sense that you get access to the entire country plus Canada. And on top of that, you also get things like top row draw draw odds and you get access to some cool services from Hunt and Fool and some different things like some educational courses. And you even get some discounts to some, a bunch of our partners that we work with. And so it's more of like an encompassing membership that you get with that. And if you go to our website and just so go to onyxmaps.com, click on Onyx Hunt, there'll be a little section about elite. And if you click on that, it will give you everything that you get with that elite membership. And <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but elite membership, just, just for clarification, Zach, uh, will give you access to anybody that puts a waypoint that says bowl down. That, that <laughs> it waypoint has, shows up. It has all the elk <laughs> that are tied to a tree as well. Yeah. <laughs> all the hot bowls, man. I love it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Well, dude, this was an awesome conversation. I, I'm actually, uh, I, I, I wish we would have had this conversation sooner. I don't, I don't know why I haven't gotten somebody from Onyx on the show before, um, but I, I've been, I've been using Onyx ever since uh, the app was available. Well, that's not true. I think I was a year or two after the app became available. Um, but anyway, I'm always a little behind the, behind the curve there. So. Um, I, I huge fan, huge fan of the company. Uh, not not just for the product itself. I, I do think that in terms of hunting uh, digital mapping systems, it's it's got to be the best one out there. You you guys, it's there's a lot of features without being complicated. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, and yeah. I think that's important. Any other you you want to give it a, a the the elevator pitch before I leave? Yeah, I mean, I would say ultimately, like, you can try it, you can download it and try it three for seven days. Um, there, you know, we try to find something that will add value. And so definitely download it and just mess with it. I bet there will be something that will make your life easier and allow you to hunt more and plan less or yeah. just be more successful in the field. Yeah, yeah. I would totally agree with that. So, um, yeah, man, this, this is awesome. I, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, I'm really glad we connected cause I, I didn't realize you were so close. So, um, yeah. we're, we're going to have to go fix, uh, we'll have to go, uh, wet a line at that place where we you were t- mentioning right before we, we hit record. Yes, I've, I've got sure. some, uh, I've got some secret little, uh, honey holes that maybe you should, it might be worth you get grabbing an Idaho license and coming over yeah, and yeah. fly fishing with me or something. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, man. We'll stick on the line after I hang up here um, or, or push stop. But uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, guys listening, uh, check it out at Onyx Hunt Maps. Whoops, I just I messed up uh, the website. Onxmaps.com, and that will give you all the different ones. So uh, even if you guys are just like, you know, I, I like my little brother would love this one, the Onyx Off-Road. Uh, he would love that one. Uh, Onyx Backcountry. I've got some friends that uh, like to ski. That would be great for that. Onyx Hunt. Obviously, everybody listening to this show, you could benefit by having it. Check it out. Zach, do you have a? Do you have like an Instagram yourself you want people to go to or anything? Uh, you can check. I'm a, I show up on the Onyx Hunt one every once in a while. But mine's just Zach.Sandow. Sounds good, brother. 
thanks again awesome. for, for coming on the show, and uh, let's just keep in touch, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.